0: Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then hopefully by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. So here's what I've noticed over the years. When I feel the most lost is when I found the most direction in God's Word. I mean, I really went in hard to figure out how to plant my feet in what I didn't fully understand. But then I started thinking, why do I get so intentional about that only when I'm desperate for it? Like, why do I think those are the only times I'll learn something that takes root? God's Word is alive, which sounds weird, I know, but all I mean is that the Bible can teach you something every time you open it, if you're going in asking to hear. You know, like when I open it, I'm fully expecting to leave better, more equipped to walk into whatever the day holds. And I'm constantly surprised by what I learn from stories I've read or heard so many times before, like this story from John 8. I have heard it so many times, but this time around, when I read it, I took something completely different away. And I think when we fill up, it's easier to pour out. And that's what I hope we can do today. But let's just start with a little bit of backstory to John 8. You know, at this point, Jesus had begun His ministry. And let's be honest, our friends, the Pharisees, they weren't huge fans. You know, the Pharisees, they wanted Jesus to do things their way by their established laws. And what Jesus was doing, well, it had never been done before, ever. So in John 2, He performed His first miracle, turning water to wine. A few chapters later, in John 4, he healed the son of a well-known government official. And just one chapter over, in John 9, he would heal a blind man. Jesus just was not playing by their rules. Like in John 5, he healed a man, but it was on the Sabbath. The Pharisees believed, you know, we finally caught him breaking the law. But he was really just doing what he came to do all along, and that was to help people. Jesus talked to anyone. He loved everyone, and cultural standards did not even cross his mind. He said things like, love one another, forgive, over and over. And that went against everything the teachers of religion claimed to be law. And they were pretty upset. So they started scheming. They wanted to catch Jesus breaking laws so they could have charges to bring against him. Here in John 8, they're bringing a woman before Jesus that they know had broken a law. There was no doubt or trial necessary. She was a criminal and sinner in their eyes. They knew Jesus was compassionate, so they brought her forward, seeing if Jesus would excuse her sin simply because He felt bad for her. But Jesus surprises them. He doesn't talk through the law or force her to explain herself. Jesus dealt with the whole situation creatively, intentionally. Doesn't He do that with us, too? I mean, I've noticed in my own life, I had this habit of speaking before thinking. I know that is shocking to everyone— My husband says if he were to write a biography about my life, he would name it, just because you think it doesn't mean you should say it. And that's fair. I can't even be mad about it. But I've consistently asked Jesus to make me more thoughtful, to set a filter on my mouth and let my words always carry intentional meaning. And with time, I've seen how he creatively helps me overcome this obstacle. When I think I have something very important to say that just must be heard, I literally see the word pause flash in my mind, which is super weird, I know, and it's weird enough to actually make me pause. It's been a discipline that I've slowly developed, but when I pause, when I wait, I can guarantee you and point to specific examples when I have not said something in that moment, and then I was given an opportunity later on at an important grace-filled time to share what I think. And I've not been given those opportunities which probably means what I had to say didn't need to be said at all. Let's jump into the story and break down the ins and outs of what Jesus did a little further. In John 8, 1 through 3, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught In the act of adultery And they put her in front of the crowd So obviously we really don't know much about the woman From these verses we see it was early in the morning Which means she was probably caught the night before And set in a jail Probably alone Isolated For hours Can you just imagine the anxiety The doubt The fear You know for many of us That's not too hard to imagine because we sit in it pretty often too, right? I've noticed with a lot of women, myself included, anxiety and doubt become friends of ours over time. So here the Pharisees come, they pull her out of her cell and they drag her before Jesus in a crowd of people. They said, Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? There it is. Those were the words that she knew but didn't want to speak out loud because according to the law, she was a sinner who deserved punishment. And according to that same law, the punishment was stoning. So here she was with her sin on full display. Her shame was announced to the world. And in that moment, Jesus could have immediately responded. I mean, I bet he already knew exactly what should happen, but he paused In that one pause He took a breath And as they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him He instead he stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger Now they kept demanding an answer So he stood up again and he said all right Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone Then he stooped down again and he just kept writing in the dust He didn't lash out He didn't yell He didn't demand that they change If it was me You know, I would have some words for these guys, right? Like at this point, I would just be annoyed. It's like when you have kids and they need immediate answers to these just extremely important questions. Like, can we have another episode of Mickey? And then when you don't answer in like the 0.3 seconds that they want you to, it's mom, mom, hey, mom, mom, mom. That's what I feel like these Pharisees are like. They're like toddlers at this point. They were trying over and over again to corner Jesus. And yet he still paused. He didn't fold to the pressure of the moment he gave them a pretty simple choice jesus turned the tables in that he asked them to consider themselves consider their own actions jesus knew how to speak to these accusers these men who were experts on religious law in that pause i like to think jesus considered his own response he weighed his words how many times do we need to do that You know, he knew fighting them outright would have just added to the tensions. Arguing more would have created chaos. Just imagine it with me for a second. Jesus stood up, faced these people and said, do what you want to. But the only person who can throw anything is the person who has done nothing wrong. The second slowly ticked by as Jesus scanned his eyes over the accusers, glancing at the rocks clutched in their hands. Think about the woman. Completely alone, slowly looking from Jesus to the crowd, her heart racing as she waited for the first rock to make contact. Let's look again at what happened when the accusers heard this. They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Think about it silence as no one spoke. She's bracing for impact and then hearing something hit the ground and an older man near the front turns and makes his way away from the crowd. Another thud, another, as stones are being dropped. The dust is stirred as accusers are slipping away one by one. And each person in that crowd came face to face with one certainty. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short and glancing up. Jesus sees it is only him and the woman standing where so many had just been. Standing to his feet, Jesus asked a simple pointed question in the next verses. "'Where are your accusers?' he said to the woman. "'Didn't even one of them condemn you?' "'No, Lord,' she said. And Jesus said, "'Neither do I. Go and sin no more.'" It's as if he hadn't heard the rocks drop. Like he didn't hear the shuffle of feet as one by one the accusers left— he didn't ask her what she did, how all this came about, how she found herself here. He already knew all of that, but he wanted her to see it. He wanted her to feel it, to feel what it's like to go from drowning in your fear, in your sorrow, sin, uncertainty, and anxiety, to taking your first breath of freedom. Jesus offered her freedom. She, like her accusers, was given a choice. Continue to carry this load with you. The constant guilt, shame, uncertainty, loss, anger, or complete forgiveness, complete freedom. You know, I've heard my pastor say several times that the best part of reading the Bible is you can always find yourself in it, always. So where are we in this story? I think many of us probably have rocks in our hands, honestly. Maybe the rocks we carry aren't always rocks we mean to throw at others. Maybe they're the rocks we punish ourselves with. The rocks we think are our own burden to carry. We probably start out just holding one, but then maybe we pick up another and another. Your rock might be anxiety or fear. You know, will you pass the class or get the job, find the one, step into your calling? Will your marriage stay strong? Will you be able to pay the bill? Maybe the rock you carry is anger and bitterness. Why is my husband staying at work so long? Why don't my kids call me anymore? Then there's loneliness and isolation. No one understands me. I'm not worth knowing. But what about pride? You know, that one's a sneaky one. It weighs us down with thoughts like, I can do better at this than her. Or I can handle all this. I don't need any help. Then there's that ever-present weight of envy and comparison, and social media triples this load, honestly. Why don't I look like her? My family needs to be more put together. My home, my car, my career, my clothes. All of it isn't quite meeting expectation. You know, expectations, might I add, that are set by people showing you the best of their lives, not always the reality of their lives. And for you, it can be anything, a weakness, an addiction, an addiction, But let's be clear it is something for everyone and no one no one is listening right now without a rock in their hand And if we are painfully honest with each other, we're holding more than one at a time Much like that crowd in the story And we're carrying the weight of sin much like the woman in our story Pretty soon our load is too much It's too heavy Our heads are down, and we are fully focused on carrying this load, managing it, just trying to make it, pulling and tugging the load along behind us, trying to get where we want to be, where we're called to be, or maybe just simply to where we think others want us to be. And it's easy for me to say, leave it all behind. Walk away. Trust Jesus, and everything is great all day, every day. Nothing but beautiful sunsets and ice-cold Diet Coke forever and always. I can proclaim truths over you that many of you have heard. Or if you are just hearing them for the first time, I promise you can grab on and hold on to the lifesaver that is Jesus Christ. But we live in a fallen world where our grip loosens as the weight of the rocks we carry pulls us down. One day, we leave our load, and the next day, we come right back here to where it is, and maybe we just pick a few of the lighter ones. But let me tell you from experience, once the door is cracked, it's easier to just keep adding on. It's pretty bleak, right? Honestly, it's pretty lonely, too. I'm sure many of you have lived this pattern over and over, and maybe some don't even realize you're in the heart of it right now. You know, heading into my mid-20s, I started with just a rock or two. I've not always thought very highly or even really very midly, of myself. How I look, what I weigh, how valued I am at home and work, all of it fed lies that I wasn't capable, good enough, or valuable in any way. I had this constant itch to prove myself. I've recently learned that, you know, appreciation is my love language. Like at home, if I have just slaved away making my specialty of chicken and rice, And my husband doesn't notice that it is a big day just that I remember to get the chicken out of the freezer I somehow feel like I have let him down Before long comparison made its way into my life, too Then I had my first kid and hello anxiety. Hello fear these emotions moved into my heart They put in stakes. I mean good grief. They built their own houses They have a nice little cul-de-sac each with a couple of acres if i'm honest with you I kept my eyes on the rise and fall of the chest of my baby girl around the clock for weeks, convincing myself that just me watching her, that's what was keeping her alive, that my eyes on her was the only thing keeping anything bad from happening to her. But this pile of rocks that I had, it kept growing. My load got heavier, lonelier, and pretty soon I was stuck. I think we all face seasons of being stuck, whether it's not knowing what you want to do after college, waiting to meet the man you'll marry to stay or leave a job, waiting for the plus sign on a pregnancy test, figuring out life after your kids move out and start their families. Every single one of us have faced or will face a season like this. And I was so caught up in me and carrying my own rocks that every time I looked, I was standing by myself. What I craved was knowing that other people were feeling what I felt. I wanted to know how others walked through these seasons. What I really needed was community. I needed other women to say, I've been there. I needed to be reminded of grace. Much like Jesus did for that woman in Johnny, he covered all of her disgrace with his blanket of grace. And what she didn't know, and what the crowd didn't know, is that he would carry every one of those rocks scattered on the ground himself. Jesus said come to me all of you who are weary carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light a paraphrase says it this way and I love it so much Jesus said are you tired worn out burned out come to me Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus wants your load, but sometimes we have trouble remembering to give it up or really even wanting to give it up. And that's where finding your people comes into play. The ones who will lovingly, patiently, and consistently remind you of grace. Full, real grace. But you're only gonna find those people if you're open to it, if you're brave. If you say, this feels uncomfortable to step out like this. This is not my instinct to step out like this. But when you set down your rocks, when you stop dragging them along behind you and you look up, you will see all the people who are truly for you. And you'll find very few people who are against you. Because when you drop your rocks and open your hands, that's when grace steps in. love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at ceholla.com. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.